0: Empire. Mm
1: -hmm. Wearable technology is trying to become ubiquitous
0: What attracted me to Catapult was that Actually the industry itself was still pretty nascent Um, When you think of, you know, sort of Technology being used to pull data out of athletic performance
1: that's Will Lopes, CEO of Catapult, who believes one day wearable technology will be an annual stocking stuffer. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Wearable technology is no longer something that falls into the category of device used by the select few. And for that reason, Will Lopes, whose recent executive background was in the growing audiobook industry at Amazon's Audible, believes the surface is being scratched on how people will interact with and what the growth trajectory looks like for his company and others like it our guest this week is the ceo of catapult will lopes as the company specializes in wearable technology video analysis they work in athlete management and content licensing as well and this is the first year that Will has been in charge of this company, and what a year to change jobs and change positions. Hi Will, how are you?
0: Good, good, yes, it has been a year.
1: <laughs> uh, I want to get into your background a little bit, but I want to talk about Catapult as well, but just it's, as far as 2020 goes, how have you kind of navigated your new position this first year dealing with COVID?
0: Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting year to navigate. I think, you know, uh, my, I, I've been here just just a tad over a year now, and the first three months uh, for me was was kind of learning about the company, learning about sports and the technology that we, we provide. Um, but then right after that, uh, you know, we 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 hit March and and the world of sports all shut down at almost uh, you know it's it's for the same exact time. Um, and so it was really about you know figuring out you know how do we support our our clients in this in this stage? How do we keep the company you know going? Um, and, and quite honestly, I think it's been you know it's been a year where we've had to adapt quite a bit of the technology we offer. Uh, either you know off, offering things like contact tracing and and different forms to kind of you know check in with the athletes, offer work from home uh, solutions to to our clients, um, but as well as you know managing the company in a, in a virtual sense, which you know it's it's uh, I would say that you know in sports in many ways it's also a very client driven business. Um, and not being able to see people face to face has has been a, a bit of a challenge. I think you know, lucky for us, catapult has a long established history in in, in the industry, um, and, and so you know, I think we're, we're we've been very lucky that our, our clients continue to support us and, and believe in our products. But it's been a challenge for sure.
1: So you know, you work with thousands of teams. Um, obviously, this affected everybody similarly and differently. I guess, dependent on where you are around the globe. When they came to you and said, "This is what we need right now," what were you hearing from them that they needed this
0: year? Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's <clears throat> I think it was really around uh, three three elements, right? Uh, it was, can you help us uh, record? Um, you know the the, the athlete's, uh, you know, uh, feeling or, or rather, you know, health um, in, in terms of a COVID uh, situation, right? So, you know, the standard sort of, you know, did you have a fever? How are you feeling today, et cetera? So we we, we immediately got requests for that. Uh, second, on, on the league, so for example, particularly on, on, on European soccer, a lot of it was, can you help us figure out how to do training sessions in a way that we're still socially distanced, right? And so, you know, our wearables technology allows for the transpotters to kind of know exactly how far uh, athletes are from each other. Um, and they needed to produce reports that they could go back to the league's office and say, look, you know, we're, we're, we're following our guidelines. Um, so we immediately we had to kind of modify technology for that. Um, and then the third bucket was really help me do some of the stuff that I would do in the office, um, you know, i.e. the training center. Um you help me do that at home now, right? And so can I use, you know, can I do high-depth uh, video at home? Can I, you know, do the same telestration? Can I actually manage um, health, um, you know, monitoring for our athletes when they're home? Um, so we did a, a number of things related to, you know, video workflows from home, um, you know, helping, uh, you know, trainers actually see the, the, the health, um, you know, sort of status of athletes, being able to just kind of use wearables at home. Um, so it's all been around, you know, sort of help me uh, around those three uh, elements. Um, and we were, you know, I think we were fortunate that we, we had a, you know, we have a pretty uh, large uh, and, and very good uh, tech team that was able to kind of modify a lot of this and get and get
1: things going very quickly um so maybe this is hard to answer this now but obviously there are unintended consequences of many forms based on what's happened here to the sports world do you see much of the stuff that you just talked about as a blip that we get over it and the world gets back to normal or are there things that you could see shifting what you all do and how the sports world interacts with one another in perpetuity based on the changes that had to be made due to the pandemic.
0: Yeah. I, I think there will be some shifts here that I think will be permanent. Right. I think the shift of being able to do a lot more at home, um, I think is actually, you know, I think is a, is a, something that will be permanent in the world of sports and whether that's, you know, getting athletes to, you know, study plays, getting athletes to, you know, pay it, you know, sort of understand more of their health uh, journey uh, at home, um, getting trainers to review video uh, at home. I, I think that's going to be here for quite some time. Um, you know, I think the other uh, component that you know may shift, um, and this one is hard to tell, but I think we'll, we'll actually have a, an impact as well, is that... You know, uh, I would say, you know, if you go pre-pandemic, the acceptance of having, you know, conversations about, you know, uh, onboarding, you know, a a new trainer, um, teaching how to use different parts of our platform um, was all anticipated that people were were always doing it in person. Um, And I think there's going to be an acceptance that some of this now um, is done virtually, right? I think there is a there is a change on that front. Uh, beyond those two things, um, you know, I think it doesn't impact us, us just yet. But I think you know it will be interesting to see how it impacts the industry overall. Is the impact on fan engagement? Yeah. I think there's been a lot of you know thought processing that's gone in for the last um, you know six months of how do you keep fans excited about you know live sports if they can't attend uh, the event itself. You know, and some of that has been happening already over time as, as things have become you know, more digital uh, in, in the media sense. But I think, you know, you're seeing, you know, you saw what you know, the NBA did uh, with the bubble. Um, and I think some of those things may surface up and the need for data um, to create more fan engagement over time. May actually you know play out for at least for Catapult's purpose uh, on the positive side.
1: So, so explain that to me because clearly you guys are known mainly for wearable technology. Could could you tell me a little bit of how that would play into the strength of Catapult?
0: Yeah, so you know I think you know our wearables technology is, is is measuring you know hundreds of data points right and and using algorithms to kind of help you know the trainers today figure out you know what's how to keep the player healthy and safe um, and avoid injuries and so on. Uh, but that data could also be used, you know, to enhance broadcasting, right? And so you could say, well, you know, what, what is the, the exertion level of an athlete in this play, right? And, and so one, one, for example, one of the algorithms we have is to actually look at the, the strength of the impact between linemen in the you know, American football. Um, that, that could easily be turned into something that could be used for broadcasting to get fans to feel a bit closer to the action. Um, and so I think, you know, as we've, we've had conversations with leagues, uh, at this stage, you know, that, that opening of how do I use data to, to get fans to really understand what's happening on the field, um, is something that I think may change. And, and, and some of that is happening already with computer vision. Um, but I think, you know, there, there are some, there's some gaps that computer vision can't quite close yet. Um, that our wearables data probably could.
1: Um, let's talk just broadly about the sports performance industry and, and how you maybe saw the future of it before all this started to happen and if any of that has changed through here over the last 12 months.
0: Uh, and not really. I, I would say that, you know, from from when you think of the sports performance industry um, overall, you know, the, the, what, what attracted me to Catapult was that actually the industry itself was still pretty nascent. Um, when you think of, you know, sort of technology being used to pull data out of athletic performance, um, so far a lot of it is single purpose, right, meaning, you know, I, I, I may have a technology to understand training sessions, I may have a technology to understand, you know, hydration, I may have technology to understand, you know, scouting, um, you know, uh, techniques and, and coaching and, and so on. What What's still missing in this industry overall is that, you know, we still need to create more of a cohesive view of technology. You know, if you talk to a lot of the, 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 the coaching staff today, um, you know, one of, the, one of the, the themes that you hear quite often is, you know, I have access to so much data today that I'm spending more and more time deciphering this huh. than I am on coaching. Um, and, I, and I think that need uh, has not changed. Um, you know, I think that isn't going away um at all um the second thing i think i always you know point out to folks is that you know the demand for sports didn't change during this pandemic uh you know it's probably as a matter of fact it, it's very pent up right? um what changes the ability to play live um and make sure that the players and the, and the coaching staff stay healthy um and so i think once the pandemic comes uh is sort of behind us, um you know the need to kind of have that cohesive view Continue to improve the performance of athletes because of demand from from a viewership uh, is still there um, is really going to be you know uh, an important uh, component for it.
1: I want to talk about your background for a moment. Um, were you a big sports fan?
0: I would say I was a casual sports fan. You yeah. know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 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 Brazilian. I'm Brazilian, so you know, uh, it's soccer for us is yeah. is, is, is uh, the most important thing. Right? World, World Cup comes around, and it's almost like religion uh, in our household. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up watching sports, uh, during a, a fantastic era where, you know, uh, you had all of these amazing superstars in, in basketball and football, um, and, and, so on. So I was a casual fan. You know, I wouldn't say I, I knew the world of elite sports, um, you know, uh, very well. Um, but, you know, the more I, I discovered what we were doing and the more I understood what was happening in the industry, Um, I I became really smitten by the intellectual uh, challenge that, you know, is about how do you take data and actually improve physiological, you know, behaviors. Um, And, and that's not an easy thing to do. Um, And, and, and to really start to understand also, you know, how the acceptance of data and technology was, was, you know, being changed within sports technology, you know, sorry, sorry, the sports industry overall. Was fascinating to me, um, I, I didn't realize, for example, that, you know, you had you had all of these PhDs now, basically in the training uh, centers yep. who are really focused on, you know, the physical aspect of the athlete. How do you keep them safe? How do you avoid, you know, uh, uh, injuries of soft tissues and, and, and so on? And the amount of technology that was going on there, I think, to me, was, was really, really interesting. And so for my background, you know, I spent, you know, 20 years on, on sort of a consumer uh, technology business. Um, you know, there was elements of it that I think were, were easy easy to apply here, right? And so, you know, the idea of being customer obsessed, uh, which is, you know, you, you thought of that at Amazon very quickly, um, you know, but really focusing here. In the, what does that uh, customer obsession mean from a team, from an athlete perspective? Um, then two is, you know, how do you, you know, we're at the end of the day, we're a subscription business. Um, and so, how do you continue to improve this platform so that you're 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 adding more and more value uh, to the athletes and to the teams um, was really really interesting to me. Um, and then three, like I said, you know, the intellectual uh, challenge from a technology perspective: how do you build an engineering team who's really looking at that cohesive view, right? So, you know, it's one thing to just look at a training session from a wearables perspective; it's another when you start to combine video and the wearables yeah, and then, you know, and then we imagine a world where, you know, if you start to connect the, the data points around, you know, sleep pattern and, and hydration um, and nutrition and, and so on, you know, it really starts to create a, a very different point of view of, you know, how the athlete's journey is coming along.
1: You had mentioned Amazon, it's Audible that you were at, which, you know, frankly, I'm a customer of, I downloaded a book last night. Um, can you kind of take me through what you learned in the experience of working with the customer in audio products like that, that transfers over to what you're doing with Catapult?
0: Yeah, I think, I think you know, there's, there's a number of things, right? I think, uh, you know, uh, primarily the first thing I think you realize, that, you know, uh, at Audible, you know, being a subscription business, um, you know, your need to always be in- innovating on behalf of the customer. Um, because, you know, there's always a competitor around the corner. Um, and how do you continue to improve that and actually, you know, stay connected to the customer while you're doing it um, is, you know, it was a great principle to learn at Audible and, and, and Amazon. Um, two is to really think about scale, right? Um, and particularly from a technology perspective. Um, and one of the, I think one of the challenges that you find in the sports tech industry overall is that a lot of the times the, the technology is designed for very... Regional or sport-specific purpose, um, but it lacks sort of a scale component to it. And so, you might have a technology that works, you know, very well for you know hockey in America, but you can't transfer the technology to you know uh, soccer in Europe or you or American football here. Um, and so, how do you think about that uh, overall from a scale perspective? Um, I think that has been one of the things that you know I brought with me. Um, and then, you know, I, I would say that the, the third component is also, you know, uh, you know, I, I spend, you know, a good a good part of my career there helping expand globally. Um, and and what you start to realize is that, you know, there there are nuances and re- regional needs both from a customer, but also from your from your uh, employee base. And so, how do you continue to innovate on, on behalf of your customer, but do so in a way that's meaningful locally? Um, and, and so the example I always use here is that, you know, we had a management solution at Catapult uh, when I got here that was, was kind of a one size fits all for, for everybody across the globe. But what you start to realize very quickly is that, you know, how a, a, a team in the EPL manages their roster is entirely different than the team that manages their roster and the NFL or, and the NCAA, for example. Um, and so you need to, you know, think globally, you need to kind of think about scale, but then you also need to make sure that, you know, it fits into the right market. Um, and a good example for that for me at, at Audible was that, you know, we when we launched our, uh, our our service in Australia, we actually did it out of the UK for the first year, and it was a disaster. Um, and what we really needed to do was have, you know, regional local people to understand the market, understand the merchandising, understand the language that really needed to kind of, you know, be expressed uh, on what we did. And I think here is very similar to that. We can't just take you know what we what we're doing NCAA for football and say, well, let's just do that for rugby in in, in Australia, for example. It, it, there's a level of regionalization that needs to happen.
1: Um, so let me leave you with the idea of scale. Then for you, um, and, and obviously there are all these different teams and leagues and sports that you're dealing with around the globe, but there is a limit to how many there are. Are are, are you looking at youth sports as the scale model for Catapult to try to incorporate all the things that you're doing on that level?
0: Yeah, I, I think the long-term uh, you know, future for, for Catapult is not only servicing the professional you know, sports world, which is about 15,000 teams across the globe, but across you know, all the different sports. But it's also how do you take the complicated set of data um, that we're collecting Um, And the algorithms we're building for, you know, these very sophisticated teams with, you know, typically 20, 30 staff members trying to improve performance. But over time, how do you simplify that down to what we call prosumer teams, right? So youth academies, high schools, semi-pros. Because a lot of them won't have a staff of 30. They might have a staff of, you know, maybe one or two or three. Um, And so how do you help them make better decisions, particularly on the health and safety of athletes? Uh, which is, is an important topic, regardless of the age group. Um, and so, how do you simplify that down to the prosumer level teams? And then, how do you actually simplify that for the consumer level as well? Um, you know, how do you get a you know a, 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 a youth uh, individual who you know has the ambition to become a professional athlete, or and maybe just play in, in, in university, um, become a better athlete, uh, but do so safely.
1: Will Lopes is the CEO at Catapult. Thank you so much for joining us, Will.
0: Brian, thank you for having me on your podcast. I appreciate it.
1: On the next Future Sport Podcast, Jimmy Heather, CEO of Hyperice, couldn't agree more with the growth strategies of companies like his that focus on movement and recovery.
0: In your car, you have a check engine light, you have a gas light, you have an oil light all of these different elements that give you indications about what's happening in your car. We don't really have that on the human body. So there's a whole level of discovery that's going to be happening over the next, you know, 5, 10, 20 years.
1: That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.